Hello. Welcome to Closed Door Conversations Podcast. I'm your host, Mill Ivory. If you're looking for a non-judgmental, open and honest conversation about any and all things that are usually discussed behind closed doors, you're in the right place. Hello, 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 Closed Door Conversations. Today we're going to have a conversation. It's just going to be an extension of some of the previous conversations we had. The very first one, I, I felt obligated to speak on Juneteenth because I found out not only did some people I was surrounded by did not know what Juneteenth was, Black people did not know. And that kind of lit a fire under me. <laughs> I felt some type of way. So I felt like I kind of needed to um, use my platform to talk about it. So if you guys have not heard that podcast, that was the very first one in this series of, of podcasts. And I just named it Juneteenth because it wasn't really nothing else to talk about. That's it. That's all. But today, I'm speaking with my queens today. We also already had a conversation with the kings about living Black in America. Again, another conversation prompted by my Juneteenth ramp. <laughs> ramp. So, so a lot of people don't understand that even today in America, there are still a lot of inequalities that happen. Now, I tell y'all this all the time. I'm not prejudiced. I love every color. I feel like the church song, yellow, black, and white. They are precious in my sight. But the only thing I can ever speak to you from is from the eyes of a black woman because I'm a black woman so I had my kings on we talked about um the eyes of a black man and how they see things differently so today I have my queens and we're talking about the experience that black women go through and hopefully we can bring some insight to some things that people don't realize that we still go through today and and I call it silent injustices um it's, it's here and it's happening. So I'm gonna give my guests a chance to introduce themselves. Asia, if you wanna introduce yourself to the closed door um, family. Hi, my name is Asia. I am the host of Mummy Talks podcast where um, we speak in regards to like financial and like empowering mothers, basically um, just helping them see the importance of being financially um, illiterate. So I'm excited about this episode, actually, Mia, because like I just experienced like some workplace injustice to where I actually had to um, go to a new job. So, yeah, girl, I'm ready to get into this. <laughs> I'm so excited. It's, it's about to be a very powerful conversation because everybody, even though we're all black, we can even all have the same experience and, and a different experience it differently. You know what right. I'm saying? So this is going to be awesome. Ms. Erica, introduce yourself to my Closed Door Conversations family. Hi, um, my name is the First Lady Erica. You can reach me at thefirstlady.com. Uh, you can check out my website. Um, I call myself that because I believe that each one of us is the first lady of our own legacy. And we should be leaders in our own community and uh, that no one should look down on anyone else or think less of the other just because of a title. Um, I teach a vision board class. I'm the first lady of vision. 
And I, I like to teach people how to expand their vision so they can get exactly what they want out of life and kind of focus on their goals. I also make jewelry, uh, copper jewelry and resin products as well. Thank you, thank you, Erica. Guys, me and Erica went, y'all need to hear her say that in person. I think you toned it down for the CDC fam, but it's cool. Y'all, when I first met her and she introduced herself, she had so, I'm not saying you're not passionate today. Let me just be clear. But the way that you did it, because I think I even said this, because everybody knew I'm very outspoken. I was like, okay, then, girl. And it was like, <laughs> I'm the first lady, and this is why. And I love it, Black Girl Magic. Yeah, I'm Keisha. the first lady. Every lady on here is the first lady, and there are no peasants in my kingdom. Period. Period. Keisha, you want to introduce yourself to the Closed Door Conversations family? Tell them what you got going on. All right. Hi, I'm Keisha Williamson. Um, currently, I work for Blue Cross Blue Shield in the Public's Dedicated Unit. This is my very first podcast ever in life. Mm -hmm. um, that's because I, I do have a background in journalism. However, my background is in um, news. But I'm also a travel agent, by the way. Um, so if you're interested in traveling or you need to get a quick booking, you can always hit me up. Oh yeah, awesome. I'm working on I'm working on something now. Y'all make sure y'all hit her up and connect with her. Um, my Zeta Queen. I'm surprised she didn't mention that, but yeah, she's very yeah, proud of I'm a Zeta, and um <laughs> I am actually still at work for another 30 minutes. So, you know, if I'm on pause, <laughs> that's because I'm taking a call. No, you're gonna have time. I'm I'm actually what the first thing I want to do, I want to start this conversation. I want each lady to just give me an example of when they feel like they first, and we can kind of go in the same order that we did, that way it, it just flows. But I want each lady, and again, I like the conversation to flow naturally. So if y'all need to pop in, you know, obviously don't be rude, give them common courtesy of a conversation, but you're welcome to to speak on, um, on what they're speaking on. So I want each lady to give me an example of when they feel like, they first experienced racism Ooh. and um from their from their viewpoint just because and the eyes of a black person is different from anybody else um so i mean we i feel like um you are you referring to like in just like you know personal like you're just out and about and you experience right, and it you or see, you mean like you see something or something triggers in you that say hey this wouldn't have happened if I was if I was white okay you know got what it. I'm saying? yeah so I feel like I'm gonna talk about uh, something recent because it kind of like caught my attention because my son was with me right and he's 12 and um so we we were in like this little country little place um in Florida actually and we walked into this restaurant and we were the only black people and it was like everybody was staring you know and so like I mean it doesn't to it doesn't bother me because I feel like I know how to conduct myself and like I 
I mean, I came in here to eat just like you guys. So, but we actually had to turn back around because uh, we were just like, it was a layover for my son. They, his game got rained out. So I wanted something to eat really quick. And then his coach texts, he's like, oh, they're going back to the field. So I'm like, oh, we can't eat after all. That's what I had to tell the waitress. But when we were leaving, he was like, mom, did you see like everybody was like staring at us when we came inside? I was like, oh, yeah, I didn't even really notice, you know, because it doesn't bother me anymore. It's like, so okay. my question to you is, and this was something since we're on it, I'm gonna go ahead and ask you, but I do have that down. Mm -hmm. um, how does it feel? Because it was important for me to ask you this as well, just because of your platform and your particular podcast speaks particularly on parenting and from your viewpoint and how to help with financial stability and different things to help your kids. So in that moment, was that a teachable moment to you as a mommy? And how does that make you feel that you've had to explain that to your black son? Um, I feel like I work with things with both my sons on a day-to-day -day basis because they are black and they are going to be men in America. And so I want to prepare them like, um, I'm even mindful of like, my my baby was playing with some, um, some kids in the neighborhood. And he's so gullible. He's only like seven. And they, um, they got him to, they have like ducks in the neighborhood, right? And um, the ducks lay eggs. And the kids were a little bit older than him. They told him to get the egg and bust the egg, right? Mm -hmm. And so he did it because he's thinking it's nothing that bad because his friends are telling him to do this, right? So um, when he does it, though, then my dad kind of like, he's my dad starts ask, asking questions like, hey, what happened to that duck egg? And they were like, oh, yeah, Jace got the egg and he took it on the side of the building and he busted it. But, you know, he didn't, they didn't mention, oh, I coached him and told him to do this. So, of course, I got upset with my son because I'm like, how didn't you understand this? But then I had to sit down and just explain to him. And he's not allowed anymore now to play with those kids. And it's not because of the color of their skin, but they were white. Um, but it's something for me. I have to be mindful of these things. Like, so this white kid is encouraging my son to do this thing. But then when he's faced with an adult asking questions, he automatically throws my son under the bus and takes no part in it. You get what I'm saying? Like he right. just, so it was just kind of like, like, listen, Jace, you have to understand you can't just, you can't be friends with people who are going to do something like that. And you have to understand, like that was a baby, a baby duck inside of the, their, their, that you kill, that they had you kill. And then they just let you get in trouble all by yourself. Like, you don't want friends like that. So I, I have to teach them both, like, every day. It's so, like, draining because it's almost like these are kids. Like, let them play. Like, you know, but it's just kind of like, no, I don't want him influenced by those type of people who are going to do him like that. Right. Absolutely. And that's the thing. It's crazy. It's it's draining. I think the the biggest thing that I that I got out of what you just said is, people does not realize how draining it is. Like for me, I am unapologetically myself first 
But I tell people this all the time. I am a black woman before I'm anything else. I was a black woman before I was a mommy. I was a black woman before, you know what I'm saying? So I shouldn't have to constantly explain that. I shouldn't have to constantly defend that. I shouldn't have to constantly put that out there. My melanin speaks for itself. <laughs> but you find yourself having, having to, in, in most situations, not defend it, but explain it. Even if it's your hairstyle, like it's the simplest things. Like I have butterfly locks in my hair right now. I went to work with butterfly locks in my hair. I work right now in healthcare. And a lot of the white nurses, oh, they don't understand how, oh, that's, how did you, how do you guys do that? Who is you guys though? Like, what? I'm confused by your question. And because that's just me. I know exactly what the fuck she meant, but I want you to tell me what you mean. Who is you guys? It's little things like that. The wording like that, that sparks it for me as a black woman. It's like, why are we singled out? Why it couldn't be like, oh, I like that, the end. Why I got to be, how do you guys do that? When you say you guys, are you referring to black people? <laughs> I mean, what are you saying? So Erica, yeah. um, <laughs> originally the original question was, tell me the first time that you felt like you experienced the racial injustice that wouldn't have happened where racism was in your face, especially today, because people don't realize that it's it's still here. But Asia Asia did when she what she did what she did was she went into the next question was when was your first time and when was the last time? So she told me about her last time and you're free to speak on either. Okay. And I'll reserve a question for Asia later. No, you can go ahead. <laughs> Because some of it, uh, I will definitely give you the firm, solid examples of racism. And some things are overt, like they say, and some things are covert. Um, I think we're in a very difficult time where I see that the media is taking us absolutely backwards. And a lot of times, I think some of the things we're experiencing, you know, especially since the George Floyd incident is more fear on both sides of being judged or being, having a situation arise. And what I'll say about that is first time I experienced racism, I was maybe five. And I was a friendly kid like most kids are. And my mom, she warned me not to speak to this little kid we're in a parking lot at Kmart in Charleston, South Carolina. And when I was walking, I said, hi. And the little boy looked out the window, just as cute as he could be with his little blonde hair and blue eyes. And he was like, that's a nigger. So I can say, boom, that's racism. You know what I'm saying? That's, uh, or it's a taught behavior because what little kids don't really think like that or act like that, it's just- um, It's definitely a taught behavior. It's a taught it's it's a definitely a taught behavior, which made me feel like the reason why I asked Asia what I asked her is you don't want to teach your kids. You is it is it's like she said, it's exhausting. You don't want to have to teach your kids that this is how you should behave as a black man, or this is how you should behave as a black person, or this is what you should do, and this is what you should not do. But it's almost like you're obligated to do it. 
Because if you don't, who's going to teach them? It's true. It's true. It's true. So here I am as a person who uh, I have a biracial child that I have to actually tell him because, you know, he has family members that are there um, in a white family, but they're very dark. (laughs) So to them, they say, you're not black or they'll say like, you're just like us because they're very tanned. And I tell my son, baby, you are black and they will beat you like a Puerto Rican at the very least. Okay. So you have to understand that you are not white. You are other, you know what I mean? Um, and we still watch different incidences where I explain a lot of stuff and talk about stuff and, you know, his last paper, his last paper was on Martin Luther King, which, and, it, and it's more than just exhausting having to explain it. It's really exhausting that we're still dealing with it and talking about it. That's mm-hmm. what's really exhausting. Cause I'm like, you know, at this point, I feel like in America, we were moving forward. And then when we had like the incidents like George Floyd incidents, where there is racism, but then there's like a lack, there's a whole lot going on and it's more than just racism, but it seems like a hard target effort to keep us in this way because we had people like um, Richard Pryor and Eddie Murphy and, you know, like we had like all this talk about it, like, hey, let's talk about it. When we used to watch Beach Street and Electric Boogaloo, you saw a white Puerto Rican Asian all on one show, like we were working on this, you know what I'm saying? But here it is when you got something like George Floyd, where I would say to, uh, is it Asia? It's Asia. I can tell you an example where we walked into a restaurant in Columbia, South Carolina, and there was, it seemed like tension. So you would think it was racism. And my mom, she said to this one lady, she was like, oh my God, your hair is so beautiful the silence cracked and those people were like, ah, you know, and then here it was this conversation because people are so afraid right now that they're like, I don't know what to say to you if you're black, because I could say this and you're offended or maybe you're gonna call me a racist or, you know what I mean? Like there's just, it's really, (laughs) it's really tough to navigate right now, right? Right. right. But I also feel like if it was another white person that walked into that restaurant, would they have all turned around to just stare? Of course not. But that's what I'm saying is now it's like, are we about to have a protest or what is it? Like some on? shit you, you see in saying? the movie. I would have freaked out. <laughs> like what? Well, I don't know. Me personally, I'll crack a joke. And now if I feel unwelcome after I crack a joke, now I know because I have to, I need to know because sometimes I feel like a lot of people are just as scared of you. You know what I mean? I, I don't know. But that that too is like you're saying, a learned behavior. Someone taught them it to is. be afraid of us because of the color of our skin. It's I've done nothing to you but walk in here to right. eat just like it's, you were. You know, something that really, sorry, that really uh, kind of like brought it to my attention because I, honestly, I've never had someone call me a nigger. So bless your heart, especially at five, you know. Um, but that Colin uh, Kaepernick, have you guys watched that show before? Yes. I, his doc, oh my God. You know what? I did a show and that hit, you know how you've been a podcaster and having this platform. I watched his documentary and it, I, I actually, Erica, I was going to tell you, if you have not heard it, 
I will make sure that you, because it was probably older before we were introduced, but I did a show on being raised mixed. I had a young mm -hmm. lady have given her experience because it's definitely a different experience. And I learned a lot through that conversation with her and from him, because it, I did, you know, some things, which is why we're having this conversation. And it's not true, particularly sometimes you don't realize the little injustices or how things can affect you physically, mentally, or emotionally. Right, because then you would lead into a whole nother conversation called colorism, correct? Correct. It's always a conversation. It's that's always that's, that's why the platform is so awesome. There's always something to talk about. And I really pride myself on when I tell people the name of my podcast and they're like, hmm, interesting. Yeah, because no telling what the fuck we might talk about. We're talking about <laughs> anything and everything that I feel like needs to be talked about. Rather is is racism, whether it's colorism, whether it's big, you know what I'm saying? Even if it's sex, even if I have a show coming up single and saved, like, yeah, let's we're gonna talk about it because that's what I'm here for. So yeah. <laughs> I just well, think I, I do want to also put this out there too, because what what I know is we're there's a game being played against us. And if you open up your Facebook or your phone, these apps, I have not I have had dreadlocks since I since 2013. I have no need for hair weave, right? But I got things that'll pop up on my screen, Nike, hair weave, and anything black related. And when I open up Facebook, it will show me crimes like maybe a black man being pulled over by the police and him, you know, whatever like that. I also know that when white people open their phone, they see something different, too. They see what elderly people who've been attacked by a black person. So there is an instigator that does not want us to get along, that doesn't want us to move past these issues. So Right, uh, it's, right. it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. And that's why we're talking about it. Keisha, Keisha, you want to yes. tell us about your experience? Again, I originally asked about um, just so I'm basically just reformatting the question is tell us about a time when you experienced racism and it was not expected or something that would have not happened to you had you not have had melanin. <laughs> well, for me, like growing growing up and from where I'm from, and I'm originally from Hemingway, I went to school that's 100% black kids, a public school. So, um, but when we got to high school, you know, we kind of integrated a little bit, but it was still at least 95% black by the time I got to high school. So it wasn't really around a whole bunch of white people. Ooh, Until we all would love to interview that five percent of white people. <laughs> I want to know how they felt being around all of them. Yeah, so I, I really wasn't around a whole bunch of white people until I started working, like in Myrtle Beach, and when I went to USC. Because at some point, we have to leave outside of our circle and experience the world. Well, right. anyway, I worked at Winn Dixie, and my coworker was ringing up a a, a customer. She's a black girl and she was trying to, I guess, trying to correct the price or whatever. And this little white lady, she got so mad at her and she was like, you nigga. And I looked up and I'm like two registers behind her. And I'm like, did she just call her 
a nigga. Mm. I'm in my twenties at this particular point. I had never heard a white person call anyone a nigga. So I was seen it on TV, seen, you know, um, Queen by Alex Haley, all those movies we were raised up on, but never had actually seen it in person. So that was quite a shock. The other thing I was is just gonna in, say, like, was that like a culture <laughs> shock or was that it, like very a much a culture shock? Like, like I said, that could have been when, me. When when you're not around it, you know, you don't really experience it because everybody's around you is black. You might see two or three white people, but then they were raised up by black folks. Well, in, in our see, defense, when we call each other like nigga, please. Who nigga, who you talking to? That's it's a different meaning. It's a right, different, that's a different meaning. That's and the same that. thing as somebody calling you a bitch. Like, I call my friends bitches out, bitch, you laugh. <laughs> right, but like, this was the white lady calling this chick a nigga in a derogatory term. Like, right. so she my question that thing, is, like, how did that make you feel? In I that just told you that I was in a culture shock because uh -huh. I had never experienced that. I heard you say that, right? But what I'm saying is, inside, did it make you feel belittled? Did it make you feel outraged? What was that emotion? I don't know if I had time to be outraged or anything else. Again, I'm sitting up here like, what? <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> but yeah, you, you can't get yourself together. But it's like, okay, this stuff that you see on TV, this stuff that happened back then is still happening now. And as a matter of fact, when I graduated from USC, still working for Winn-Dixie, because at this point I had transferred to another store and worked and whatnot, and just, just to hear at that particular time, interracial marriage was still illegal in the 90s. It just became legalized. Uh -huh. So I'm like, what? Like, you couldn't even get married in South Carolina if you were a black man or a white woman, or a white woman or a black man. You know, it's amazing <laughs> when I was doing research, because re regardless of how casual my conversations are, I always research topics because one, because the person in me is curious. <laughs> so I research and just like it was just shocking to me that Juneteenth, it took George Floyd getting killed, you know, to make that a national holiday. Let me get on that, though, about Juneteenth, because again, I thought that you were talking about Juneteenth. Right. Now, the whole situation about Juneteenth, I only knew about it as the emancipation because that's what was taught in school. Oh, I didn't girl. <laughs> I didn't cover that did in my podcast know. because now y'all know I was raised in Texas. So okay. go back and listen to that show. So, and that's the other thing I have besides you, I have other friends that live here now from Texas. We went to a Juneteenth festival in Blythewood last week. Juneteenth, I, I realized that Juneteenth is a big thing in Texas. Uh -huh. They know. Uh -huh. In South Carolina, they don't know because, number one, it wasn't taught. The other thing is, if it was taught, again, we know of it as the Emancipation Proclamation, but I didn't know it was Juneteenth until 1999 when I went to my first Juneteenth festival. I was living in Augusta. Mm. That's Most when of I learned America... Most of America, most of America, do know not about know what Juneteenth. Juneteenth is. 
they if they do not invest in their culture, it's not even taught in schools here like that. And I can say <laughs> that because growing up in Texas, we were taught about that. We've always celebrated. The show that I just posted called Juneteenth. Listen to that show, Keisha. Every <laughs> single thing that you just hinted on, I did. I did my research. And, <laughs> and it outra- I was outraged. I was outraged <laughs> when I did the show simply because <laughs> I, it's Black women that don't know the importance of that. I am uh, a little bit confused about it uh, because now Juneteenth isn't the actual emancipation for the United States, right? To my understanding, when I studied Juneteenth, it's there were people who did not want people in Texas to be freed or, you know, to know, and they delayed the process for two years. Did they not like? No. So Juneteenth, the significance of Juneteenth, and I love that I could educate y'all, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to give y'all a little bit, but I actually gave specific details in my podcast. It literally was an educational podcast in that moment because that's all I talked about is Juneteenth and the history of it and why is what it was. But basically in 1865, um, June 19th is the day that slaves our ancestors were set free. So during that and um, the original Independence Day, slaves were not freed. A lot of people think everybody was freed, but slaves were not free, i.e. we, i.e. Black people, i.e. were not freed, which is the significance of Juneteenth. That's the day slavery was basically abolished for everyone. But in the South, and I'm not counting Texas, oh my God. but I will say in South Carolina, they were still in slavery. Listen, Why? let me tell y'all my experience with that. I moved to South Carolina when I was 14. Thank God. I at least went through middle school in Texas. We was always taught that the significance of Juneteenth. We would celebrate it in school. We would celebrate it. We would go on field <clears throat> trips to Houston, to the park. Like, and I speak about that in my podcast as well. So when I moved here, I was a little confused that like, why are they telling me? They don't even mention Juneteenth. So it was a culture shock as to why we're not having big festivals and carnivals and large cookouts at the park and no type of town celebration. I guess you know, I have to listen to it because what year is June? You know, what year was that? 1865. But that's two years after the Emancipation Proclamation, Correct. right? Correct. That's the because people were being deceitful and they did not. I, to my, that's I touched on that in my podcast. Yep. I touched on that in my podcast. Um, when they said that when after in, the Emancipation, um, George Washington made a statement. His statement was to free people in the union. A lot of people thought it was to free everyone. It only freed people in the union, freed people from the union. So what that mean is black people wasn't allowed to be in the union then. So who was freed? The people in up north? The people that was in the union were freed. Black people was not allowed, so white Americans, basically. 
That's what I'm getting at. <laughs> so yeah, that's a whole other conversation. But to stay on topic, I love that. If I'm gonna send y'all links to this podcast, which y'all should probably, I think y'all already have my platform. But yeah, that's what I talked about on it on that particular one, and that's what sparked these conversations because I was a little perturbed. I know as a black woman that I see things happening to me small, tiny injustices or racism things that wouldn't happen if I wasn't a Black woman. But the fact that we are still experiencing these things and Black people don't know their history, don't celebrate their culture, like, it, it, I felt away. Now, I can't make anybody do anything, but what I can do is bring your attention to it. And, and I do research because I want to give you facts. I don't want to talk to them. I didn't want to talk to my audience from the eyes of a little black girl from Texas. I wanted to talk to them from a 45-year-old grown woman that's experienced life, that was raised in two different cultures. And this is how I know now as an adult the importance of Juneteenth. And why, once I moved to South Carolina, the importance of it went away. And it shouldn't have. So, look, I got y'all thinking. I guess I'm also wondering too, (laughs) that this is what's going to separate us is regionally, you know, if people feel like in New York, they were already having a certain status, like it's going to be something, it's, it's very localized. And I guess I can understand because you're from Texas. So it's like, but everyone no, should, they be, were pushing, should be the equal they were pushing, Actually, I have some articles that I pulled that I can send you. Or either if you technically Google Juneteenth, there are mm-hmm. so many articles. And USA Today did a very, very good job about covering the timeline on how they were pushing forward. And then it moves forward to CBS talking about George Floyd and how the people of um, Black Lives Matter fought for that to become a holiday. People don't understand that Juneteenth was not made a national holiday until 2021. Oh, I was very much aware because I looked and I wondered why Obama was in office and he never made, you know, too much of a peep about it. So, right. It was just an opportunity, but, you know, people always say, well, he didn't didn't do it. And I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. So just to stay on topic, I I have a question. Um, Well, I just want to bring this up. So I also touched on feeling like black and brown people have been protesting for centuries. There are some white Americans that love us, that understand us, that do not want to be held accountable for what their ancestors did. Then you have some that were raised to be prejudiced, that was raised to show difference, that was raised that they were superior. Now, how do you guys feel about that? Have y'all experienced that in a friend or a colleague on either side? I'm asking this because I have another specific question that felt like they're responsible for what happened with our ancestors (laughs) and they treat you differently? I have not. I don't have, I've, I have conversations with everyone, regardless of the color of their skin, but I don't have, I haven't had anyone to, 
to kind of like communicate any guilt about the past like we don't what I mean in this and it could be nonverbal communication you know like I have white white friends that sometimes want to overcompensate <laughs> because or they, because they want me to understand that they understand me or they know where mm-hmm. I'm coming from mm-hmm. yeah I don't feel like I, I have anyone that tries to overcompensate to me like I just feel like I have gen- if if I don't feel like it's genuine, then I don't kind of associate myself with it. So yeah. I don't really? I don't I mean I don't know. Like I feel like some of these situations, like I've not experienced some of the things that you guys may have been that I may be a little bit younger. Right. Right. And that's the that's the the beauty about this panel though, is that we're all kind of spread out in age. And yeah. so it, everybody's going to experience things differently because now um let's talk about this what about um because now we're we're all i think in the state now that we love people of course for who they are not for the color of their skin right mm-hmm. so is it uncomfortable to be in a situation where you see maybe you have a friend or you're involved in someone with the interracial that has an interracial relationship and they're treated differently or have you experienced that what do you mean what i mean is so i have an aunt that's married to a mexican okay (laughs) got it got it Mm -hmm. and and it's not a black and white thing but obviously a black and is a minority and a minority Mm -hmm. but even if it was like i have a friend that has a white boyfriend they've been dating 10 years but when they go places she with his friends they like and she and actually it's crazy because she's from charleston and she actually have a head full of dreads but when they go places his friends try to overcompensate See? by talking about the music you know something as simple as the music and crazy quiet it's crazy because she don't even like a lot of hip-hop and stuff like that <laughs> she's not even into that kind of music oh my gosh they just automatically assume she is though I actually just started dating back in December and I started dating a white guy and I and I say it and I've said something to him before and I said like yeah well it's kind of new to me because I have not ever dated a white guy he's like what do you mean (laughs) what do you mean like I'm a guy like I'm I don't understand the difference like you're trying to say but like when we go out um people stare I never notice it because I'm not looking for it if that makes sense I'm minding my business and he he'll catch it he'll just be like did you see them staring? I'm like, no. He's like, oh yeah, well, I already rolled my eyes in here and all this. I'm like, <laughs> what? Well, you tripping? Like, he'd be looking for it. I don't look for that stuff. But I think the thing about you is, Asia, and again, I'm familiar with people, on you guys, so I can kind of speak on it. I think the thing with you is you're the type of person, you're what I call modernized, right? It's not mm-hmm. that you're not aware. It's not that you're not aware. Mm-hmm. You are very aware, but you choose to move. I feel like I feel like it. If it's not true, check my ass. But I feel like you choose to move forward. You know what I'm saying? Right. You to not focus on that. That's my person. And that's fine. In most cases, I choose not to mm-hmm. until people like fires up under me because I feel like it's important that people understand that we are all people. Like right. I don't like those differences pointed out, but they do them. They still do it. 
that is totally me like I'm that is me all the way but I like I mentioned earlier in the show I did go through a situation at my job to where I was like I'm carrying on but then when it starts to be too evident that you are you are treating me this way because of the color of my skin because of a picture on a on on a computer because you don't know me in person we've never met right you just see my picture and you see that I'm black but you you hold that against me because my work ethic you cannot you can't say anything about my work like I was the hardest worker at the company I worked over I made over $20,000 in the year just from working overtime, like what, and you, they passed me up for a promotion, wouldn't even give me an interview for a supervisor. So yeah, like things like that. Now I have a problem because you've made it too evident and I'm not, I wasn't the only person that saw it, but when someone else brought it to my attention, I started taking notes. And what I did was I ended up quitting that job, but I emailed the CEO because that is a problem to me. I don't care about the job anymore. I don't care about staying at this company that allows people to treat people this way but for these people that are wanting to continue their their careers at this place they should not have to work for people like that you should not and so that brings a a comment to I made a comment to a friend of mine and she felt a way about it but I'm gonna say it to you guys right and I want to know what y'all think about it So what I said is that black and brown people have been protesting for years. You always hear about people protesting all the way from Black Panthers to Black Lives Matter. We always, and it's not that we we want justice, we want equality. We wanna be treated equally. We want them to know that just because I'm black and he's white, my money still, and my, this my main, I say this out, my money's still green. My debit card look just like hers. They're both from Bank of America. The only difference is our name. It don't have nothing else on there indicating what I am. So when you swipe my card, you get the same thing that you get from her, babe, because it's clearing. Let's just be clear. But at some point, do you guys feel like it's white Americas? And I was going to say white people. I don't even know how to frequently say that without offending anybody because I don't get offended when people say black people because I'm black. But do you think at some point, it Are you white black? people should be responsible <laughs> for what happens next. I I, I want to say, are you black? Because like my skin color is actually not black. Like, right? Well, you know what I'm talking. <laughs> Where did that come I, from? Like, why do they say that? That's well, what I my definitely checked the black box. Yeah, that comes from 1681. Because I check other, even on my gun <laughs> license, I check other. Because I'm not a crayon. Right. So, and you know the idea of. Because it's not the color of your skin, it's that I don't understand. And sometimes it's not the color of your skin that they're saying is black. It's black is the attitude, the mood, the mm. the what they, you know, the, what do you call the stereotype of what you think I am. Like that when a man true. says, if you don't vote for me, you're not black. You don't know. I mean, I don't even want to let out the words that want to come out of my mouth right now. I'm just like, you know, I don't think like everybody else and I don't feel like I should have to be categorized. You don't call Puerto Ricans, you know what I mean? Like you call them Puerto Rican because that's where they're from, right? Right. So wherever I'm from, I'm just black. And I'm like, well, you know, my family was here when the Olmec was here, okay? Like, I don't feel like my family came over here on no boat. 
you know, we were already here. I'm indigenous because here you got what you're calling people black. And a lot of us are really Native Americans, are we not? Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. So I I just have a funny time with it, with, with the whole you are black, because what does that mean? Like uh, Asia's saying, oh, you know, or no, like you were saying, you might be black, but you don't necessarily listen to rap music and you might not know who Cardi B is. And, you know, I'm not this person that, you know, I, I don't know. Who I'm stereotyped <laughs> to be. I'm it's not like, that I am thing, more... whatever that thing is that they're saying black is, because black is not really the color. And I've had a problem with it ever since I was in elementary school, because I said, I look at my skin and it looks pretty brown to me. Right, so, right. Anyway. So that's what, that's exactly what I'm saying, Erica, when I say, should another race be be responsible for what happens next because at some point we cannot be the only people who speak out you know what i'm saying oh, we wow. cannot someone but then else it's also too what do you answer to does that well, not determine some type of change as well you know asia could have stayed at her job and and just griped about it and held up a sign or she could be like you know what I hope you guys tank and I'm going to go somewhere else and be successful. My black ass doesn't have to stay here and fight with you about the fact that I'm black. I can right. go build something somewhere else. I would have did that too because I'm real big on things correctly. I'm real I don't think you got to protest. Your protest is removing your money and your right. time and your energy from people. Ooh, if right. you don't want me as your neighbor, I don't need to be your neighbor. But if you have a problem with me, you need to move. <laughs> <laughs> okay 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 guys don't get upset but i have to actually stop right here and we're gonna do a part two the conversation was so good i just could not edit any of this shit like it was just so good so um this is gonna be part one and stay tuned for part two smooches Thank you for tuning in to Closed Door Conversations Podcast, a place where no topic is off limits, no filters will be applied, and no judgment will be allowed. Yes, this is the end of the show, but it's definitely not the end of the conversation. Make sure to follow us on Instagram, follow us on Facebook. To get even more involved and more exclusive content, join our Patreon community. The conversation continues. Till next time.